Welcome to Toxicology, brought to you by Recovery Unplugged, the place where we talk about all things substance abuse, recovery, and mental health, with guests offering varying perspectives and viewpoints. Hosts Joseph Gorordo and Jason Cabello share about their addiction and recovery and other serious subject matter through lighthearted yet candid conversation. We're going to start. One, two, three, go. One, two, three, shoot. One. Okay, ready? One, two, three, shoot. One, two, three, shoot. Son of a bitch. You start. Okay. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Toxicology, the greatest podcast on mental health addiction and recovery in the known universe. Yes. Yes. Well, now, the universe is infinite, so it can never be fully known. So we can never know that we're the greatest in the universe. Too early to blow my mind like that. It's early. Yeah, we've never recorded this early. No, it's, it's nice, though. I mean, I'm glad I'm here. Yes. Now. Yes. Pres- yeah. Present in this so, moment. So w- w- <laughs> let's go through now, backtrack from when you woke up. How How is your day going so far? Well, it's not good. It's good. You know what? I've got the, well, you had a bad day. <laughs> you take it. <laughs> having a bad day so okay i wake up to my 12 year old saying daddy you got to take me to school and i'm like you're usually up by then you're usually getting them up for school right yeah yes and i'm like what and i reach for my phone like why didn't my alarm go off your trusty new iphone 14 completely bricked it was working when i went to bed woke up won't turn on won't charge nothing right so i'm like it's okay got my old phone sim card let's go iphone 14s no sim card so i'm freaking out and i gotta pick up i got i had to pick you up this morning you did so i had to get on my laptop and print out some some directions (laughs) like if i'm on map (laughs) quest the old printout to get to jason's house how nostalgic Yeah. yeah um then I get in my car and I start driving and immediately my low pressure, my low tire pressure light comes on. And about a half a second later, my oil change light comes on. <laughs> I just You wanna go back to bed. I wanna go back to bed. <laughs> I was like, if if ever there was a need for a self-care day. Yeah, that would be it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of self-care, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about our title sponsor, Joseph. Oh, you mean Recovery Unplugged? Yeah, you know what? One thing I don't think we've touched on yet here, hmm. how Recovery Unplugged uses music. Because people will say, is it music therapy? I say, no, get out of here. It's not yeah. music therapy. What makes you think it's music therapy? Is it the <laughs> guitar and the logo? So it's a rehab for only musicians, and it's only a rehab? No, we do mental health yeah. services. You don't have to be a musician to come. And the majority of the clients are not musicians. Yeah. Right. I'd say ninety percent of them are not musicians. No. I mean I mean some of that ten percent is questionable. Is questionable. <laughs> <laughs> um well we do have some clients that come in that are amazing phenomenal. Amazing like musicians. blow your mind. Yeah. But um yeah, so uh recovery unplugged, I mean, really, we use music in everything. From the pre-screen to the discharge plan, music is a part of everything, every step of the way. Yeah. 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 You know, <clears throat> my first group, I was still sick. I was still not feeling well. 
And last thing I wanted to do is go in front of a bunch of strangers and talk about how I was feeling, you know, a couple hours out of detox. So the therapist said, is there a song that you think mirrors the way you're feeling right now? And I said, yes. Meshuggah. Is that a song? That's a band. Oh, it was definitely not Meshuggah. <laughs> I'm not, no, no offense, Meshuggah. Just not familiar. <laughs> They're like math rock. Oh, really? Yeah. I love math rock. Yeah. They toured to with Tool. Okay, I'll have to I'll have to give him a give him a check out. But so yeah. what song? Oh, it was a fond, it was Fond Farewell by Elliot Smith, oh, my go to. I'm sure like half the room was like this fucking guy. Well, no, it was Florida, so nobody knew what nobody it was. Knew. <laughs> I would have been like, like is this you, Paul Simon? You pretentious fuck. <laughs> I mean, it, the, the lyrics just checked oh. into where I was. It was uh, you know, it was it was where I was at. But yeah, so recovery unplugged. I got to do that. And it took me out of myself, yeah. got me involved, and I was in. And did, then, did I ever tell you the story of of the moment I decided to work at Recovery Unplugged? You have, but oh, never. This mind. guy doesn't know. This guy, no. <laughs> tell him. <laughs> or this guy? Yeah, that guy too. <laughs> no, okay, okay. So, uh, Recovery Unplugged had offered me a job, and I had turned it down. And uh, eventually they were like, look, come out to Fort Lauderdale, see what we do. And then if you don't want to work for us, like, okay, fine. So I was like, free trip to Florida. Right. So I was like, I'm going to have a little two-day vacation in Florida. Yeah. Fly me out there. Take me, Go take me to a steak dinner. Wine me, dine me. You know? <laughs> and uh, what, What's the sober equivalent to wine and dine? Um, nicotine and caffeine. Caffeinated and nicotate. Okay. Sounds good. That sounds dirty. <laughs> And so, uh, no, Rob took me to pizza. Okay. <laughs> like, Anthony's coal fired? I don't know. It's was, it was right off the highway. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm going and I'm, I'm not planning to take this job. I'm just enjoying the hotel and the view and the beach and the food and all that. And I, I sit in a, a group run by Richie Supa. The Richie Supa. The Richie Supa. Um, Grammy winner, Grammy winning Richie Supa. And, uh, I'm sitting in this group and I watch the clients come in and there's this one guy that comes in and he's like, you know, wife beater shirt and we're not supposed to call him wife beaters anymore. What are we supposed to call him? Tank top. Tank top. He's in a tank top. And tank top. Um, and he sits at the very back of the room and he crosses his arms and he's like, you can tell he does not want to be there. And uh, Richie Supa starts the group and plays this song called Enemy about being, you know, his own worst enemy and whatever, whatever. And during the course of the song, I watched this man melt like by the end of the song he is openly sobbing at wow. the back of the room and all of a sudden you know richie notices and points him out and it's like hey are you okay like what just happened you know what are you feeling right now and he starts talking about how his best friend overdosed and died they overdosed together and you know he survived and his best friend didn't and he's feeling a lot of grief and shame and trauma and we're talking about like the heaviest stuff that you can talk about right. in a in a rehab group. And it's with the dude who had no intention of sharing anything. That's incredible. That's a it's not uncommon either. No. Like I I've seen it happen, you know, when when I was in when I was a client there and then I was at tech for a long time. So I would see these things happen all the time. And you might even say music makes the difference. Uh, so let me ask you a question, Jace. <laughs> oh, spouse supporters is what you call 
spouse. <laughs> Partner supporters, yeah. Jason, if I were to ask you, I know this is hard because, you know, we've had thousands and thousands of clients come through Recovery Unplugged. Right. But if you could pick one person as your favorite person, favorite client you ever had at Recovery Unplugged, who would it be? Mm, I don't know. It's a tough one. <laughs> I, it's it like cho- it's like choosing between my children. <laughs> it's a trick question, HIPAA. Oh, oh, D- wow! If you would have got me, we would yeah, have had to get, do some heavy get editing. You fired right now. Wow, that was <laughs> a shitty thing to do on my this, on your birthday on my birthday. Chase's birthday. birthday. Try to get me fired. <laughs> October fourth. Yeah, it's the fourth, right? Yeah, it is. I don't know. My phone's not working. Oh yeah, <laughs> what day it is? Yeah, 48, man. Who would have thunk it? Uh, you know, Ryan Spencer's birthday is on Thursday. Is it? Yeah. We should have a uh, pizza party. Or, or not. Or not. We're ha- we're having a Whataburger party tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. You're invited. Okay. Invite oh, that's the official? Okay. Yeah. You, you heard it here first, yeah. folks. Come by. We're doing a town hall. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Uh, I'm out of banter. That's a moment of <laughs> silence there. Okay. Um, I think we're still uh, a little, little yeah, we've got a little banter. So let's talk about, you know, we started talking about when you came to pick me up at the house in between my, my stupid dogs going crazy. Oh my God, your dogs. I know. Music soundtracks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, we were talking, I was commenting on your, on your DVD collection. My DVD collection. And uh, I noticed you had The Life Aquatic by Wes Anderson, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Same Z's. Yeah. And you actually saw the dude perform. Yeah, Sue George. Yeah. Amazing. Like, sober, not sober? Yeah, yeah, newly, newly clean. Yeah. Um, I, I probably had about six months. My friend Jamie Rysick, amazing tattoo artist, 2-Bit Jamie, he's a guy who's responsible for most of my tattoos. The Job Stoppers? Yeah, he's uh, always been a big supporter of mine. Even when I was out there using, he was one of those friends who was always like, you know, if you want to get your shit together, I'll... I'm here for you, yeah. you know. So, uh, and he took me to go see them, and it was amazing. So, in early recovery, I remember crying all the time. So, my question is, did you cry? I did not cry. Oh. No, it was it was very good, but I didn't cry. See, I feel like I would have cried. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely, um, yeah. You know, no, I don't think I did. But no. I remember the first time I cried at seeing live music after getting clean and it was amazing Ooh. and what it was it it was jeff tweedy of wilco um performing at a theater in fort lauderdale and i was actually there with my partner your current partner my current partner okay who is our guest today yes your partner is our guest today yeah so it's gonna be uh the, my worlds are colliding <laughs> So, you know, the word partner, whenever I hear people say the word partner, I always assume that it is the person of the same gender. Okay. But your partner. My partner. Is not a person of the same gender. Not the same gender as myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, <clears throat> yeah, so, you know. Growing up when I did, that wasn't even a thing, calling somebody a partner. partner. I don't I, I don't even remember when that started. And then, yes, it was usually same-sex, same-gender couples that you'd hear it from. And then I think 
if I'm not mistaken, allies started using it to yeah. kind of, you know, as just a way to say, um, like person you're committed to. I think it's also coinciding with the decline of marriage in the United States. Yeah. That people just say partner. Like, okay. Not my boyfriend, not my girlfriend. Just my partner. My partner. Howdy, partner. <laughs> partner. But, um, you know, so I guess without further ado. Let's bring on our guest. She is a person in recovery. She is a, a supporting partner to Mr. Jason Cabello. Very supportive. She is an amazing uh, graphic designer, techie, whiz. Um, um, anything creative that's done with a computer or a phone, mm -hmm. she can do uh, incredible. Man, she should start Instagram and be an influencer. She should. But anyway, without any further ado, let's welcome Mrs. Gabby, Ms. 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 Gabby Delgado. Hey. Poof. Poof. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Your magical skills never cease to amaze me, Jason. Right? Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate the compliment. Well, Gabby, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> A long time listener, first time caller. Have, yes. have you listened to every episode of Toxicology? I have listened to about one. Oh. I would like to listen to more. <laughs> <laughs> but you just can't find the time. I just can't find the time. Busy woman. Yeah. Well, also, Jason usually has the car. You usually don't. And car time is prime time for podcasts. Yeah. He... Uh, uh, my car has become his car. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Toxicology. Thank you. I'm uh, honored to be here. Yeah, we're honored to have you. Go ahead, please. I, I mean, I feel like I this, feel like I'm this, a little too close. Your, to, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, Gabby, I, I guess you know what? Let's just start unpacking things. So I mischaracterized you in your introduction. I said you were a person in long time recovery. But you do not self-identify that way anymore. So I think this is an important conversation to have um, because I believe recovery is very, very broad. Yeah. But um, should we start with the recovery or should we start with uh, not recovery? Let's start recovery. with recovery. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, like, where are you from? Who are you? What do you do? How's it going? Um, I'm. Like originally, or just sure. Uh, I'm originally from Fort Worth, Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, raised in Dallas, so which is very different for folks who aren't from Texas. Growing up in Dallas or growing up in Fort Worth, very different things. Yeah, so um, I uh, my dad raised me um, alone for the first fourteen years. And I was in Fort Worth. And then when I was 14, my mom moved back. She moved back to Texas from Florida. She was in, in Florida for a long time. And then when I was 14, I got into like this fancy high school and then moved in with her to go to high school in Dallas. And if there's one thing I know about recovery stories, when someone transfers to a fancy high school, it is almost never the beginning of an upward spiral <laughs> in their life. Yeah, it wasn't great. It was... Uh, it was a school for talented and gifted kids, a magnet school. They only accepted 60 people a year from all over Texas. And so it was like a very competitive 
uh, sort of thing. And so like I had to take several tests to get in. I had to have this really big portfolio of like um, different projects that I did throughout the year to like help the community. Like it was intense. Now, when you were a kid, was GT still the language that they used for that kind of stuff? Like gifted and talented programs? Um, They didn't use GT. What a way to make the other kids feel like shit. No, like I mean, here are the gifted and talented kids. When I was in school, and here are the was... not gifted and talented yeah. kids. Well, they don't call it GT anymore. Right. Like my kids do Quest, and that's like What's smart. Quest? Yeah, Quest is like project based learning, like self guided project based learning. But okay, the reason I bring it up though is just because from from what I see of of my friends and from what I see of like memes on Facebook and on TikTok is that. All the kids that were at one point in life identified as gifted and talented or, or, or being exceptional learners or whatever <laughs> really hit a rough patch at yeah. some point. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, I was labeled as emotionally handicapped. And look at me now. <laughs> were you really? <laughs> yeah, that's what they called me. That like, that, like, I had the, they had the group of kids that they kept in a cage in the back of the school that they would poke us with sticks. Man. They emotionally handicapped. No, that's honestly what they called me. The U.S. educational system in the 50s was wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, emotionally handicapped. Can you believe that? And they yeah. wonder why like we had self-esteem issues. Yeah. So, so you're in this high school, I'm assuming high pressure environment, right? Yeah, it was super high pressure. I mean, um, my freshman year, I was taking all AP classes. Yeah. And uh, if, you know, like they start prepping you for college as yeah. soon as you get in, like mm -hmm. you're visiting schools, you're talking to different people. And um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a change of environment because before that, I also went, like, I went to a small school all my life. I went to a, uh, a Roman Catholic school um, from the age of four. What until, kind of nuns or priests did they have? Uh, Roman Catholic nuns and priests. They but would. They're usually like sects or orders within the nuns. Um, I don't know. It's fine. I don't know what kind of sex they were, but <laughs> sex, sex, sex with a T. Um, yes, Sorry. with a T. I just want to clarify that. Casual sex. Fellow Catholic school kid here. Just yeah. I'm curious. Yeah, it was, uh, it was rough. Yeah. I used to in the fourth grade. Uh, I had a nun as a teacher, Sister Teresa. I love her. I also had a Sister Teresa. Really? Yeah. Seems like a pretty common name it's, among it's, sisters. Yeah. yeah. I think I think you get like a nun name. Yeah. When you become a nun. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of Teresas. Yeah. She used to. So it was the same twenty kids uh -huh. from pre-K until eighth grade. Ooh. I graduated with the same yeah. class. And in the Sister Teresa, she used to. She had all of our desks in a line, a straight line, so that we couldn't. Like we couldn't be next to each other. Yeah. Like it was, they were all in a spaced out yeah. line, so she could see every single yeah. one of us. Yeah. And it was absolute quiet all the time. And if <laughs> she used to say to this one boy, and I always felt so bad for him, she would go, she would go, Lorenzo. She was from Ireland, by the way. <laughs> oh, let's hear the accent. No, I can't do it. <laughs> Come on. I don't want to offend anyone. She's get canceled. <laughs> She'd be. You're slow as molasses in the winter time. <laughs> and like, just be so mean to everyone, would hit us with rulers. And 
I used to hold my pencil weird. She would come by and like grab it out of my hand real quick and be like, why are you holding your pencil like a cave person? And <laughs> she was. Oh, Sister Teresa. <laughs> so, so what I'm hearing you say though is that like you were always in an environment where high stress, high pressure, ex high expectations, and also, I mean, almost as, like I mean, in Catholic schools, right? Like this, this need to like conform. Like you have to hold your pencil this way. And mm -hmm. you cannot be as slow as molasses in the wintertime. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what started to happen once you got to this high school? Because I assume that that just took it to another level. Yeah. So that was just a, a lot of transition in my life. I mean, I went from that school in Fort Worth, this teeny tiny school, to um, this really high-pressure school in Dallas. And I also, for the first time, was living with my mom. So it was just like a lot of... Um, a lot of change for a 14 yeah. year old, I think. Turmoil. Yeah, yeah, there's some turmoil. I mean, my dad, he was upset that I lived with my mom, like that I was gonna move. He yeah. was really upset that with you, me. you chose her over yeah. him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of uh, back and forth between us. It was a lot of like weird, strained relationship stuff and like trying to figure out when I was gonna visit him and, um, and then also like going to the school for the first yeah. time, which was yeah. terrifying. So how did you cope with all that? Um, I did pretty, I mean, like I did pretty well academically, um, but I had a really, really hard time making any sort of friendships or lasting relationships. I am like severely antisocial and um, especially at that time, I, I have this like, really uh really cute little thing called like depression oh and so <laughs> where'd you get that uh generations of women um <laughs> uh so i i was like i i had a really hard time and then also on top of that this is a whole thing um so i was like really i was like morbidly obese growing up like my whole really? life yeah um, this I did not know. I was. And I'm not agreeing with you. I'm not, I'm not agreeing. Like, yeah. I'm not agreeing. <laughs> like, they took me to doctors and stuff. Oh, wow. Like, I was I was yeah. a big girl. And then, um, and I got had, like, a lot of self-esteem issues because of that. Yeah. And, and then in, like, the sixth, seventh grade, I started abusing laxatives oh. to, like, start to slim down. Would you say that was your first form of, like, substance abuse yes okay. i was taking them probably five or six a day wow um and would take them until i just vomited like i was just um but i started to lose weight yeah and i started to like i hit puberty and then i like was taking the laxatives and then <laughs> a winning combination yeah yeah because you stretch out in puberty <laughs> yeah it was like yeah. a and then in high school um like this had never happened to me before. Boys started noticing me. And I like did not know how to cope with that. I didn't know how to cope be with like being looked at. I it, it wasn't like this self-esteem booster for you. No. Yeah. I I just didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. And um so on top of you know all this this stress and stuff um 
uh, I started to, I mean, I just wasn't coping well. I started cutting myself mm -hmm. um, as a form of like tension release yeah. because I was just so tense all the time. Um, and then since boys were noticing me, like I, I, I wasn't making friends and mm -hmm. I made friends with a senior at the school mm -hmm. as a freshman. Um, and I started hanging out with him a lot and then he gave me my first pills. Mm -hmm. Um, so real quick, before we get into the pills, I feel like there's so many different things that we can talk about right now. Um, now you're significantly younger than I am, mm -hmm. right? But, you know, cause when I was a kid going through like middle school, high school and, and similar things, right? Like, you know, body issues and, and, you know, I don't think I ever had depression, but like regular high school, just like, I think high school is kind of depressing even, even if you don't have depression, right? But I know that when I was going through all that, we did not have language to identify it. You know, not at that age, right? Like we didn't talk about mental health and depression and anxiety the way we do today. So like when you were going through all this stuff, like did you have any kind of language? Did you have any kind of understanding? Was this stuff that was talked about yet when you were in high school? Um, well, it was and it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Because of the type of school that I was in, um, it was just like expected that these kids could handle that amount of pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, and even though, like, I had a best friend in high school and she has had some, like, serious depression herself mm -hmm. and she was self-harming for a really long time and, um, it was, it all just sort of, it's kind of went ignored. Yeah. Like, they would, like, understand, like, oh, she's going through a hard time, like, don't be so tough on her today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they never really like extended a hand yeah. other than, um, send me to a, the school counselor who was like, I have trauma around that counselor. I yeah. fucking hated him. Yeah. I hated him so much. He was so demeaning. Why? What, what happened? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, you know, like, okay, you hate him, but like, yeah, what, what was the support? Yeah. He gave what, was, you? what was the one, what was the one that sent you over the edge with him? It wasn't, a, it was just a, like a culmination of things, but he, uh, it was like, I started cutting and it was like, I've started like bleeding through my shirts throughout mm -hmm. the day. And so they knew you were cutting. They knew I was cutting. And so their solution was sending me to this counselor and I had to go to, to like the basement in the school and it was weird. And, um, he just, he was like, so why are you sad? And I was like. It's just, you know, like I would tell him why I was upset and like why I was not feeling great. And he'd be like, and I was like, tell him that I had self esteem issues. And he'd be like, but you're not fat. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Are you gonna? He was like, how about you try like putting rubber bands on your wrist and then like, and I was like, you're not helping. Yeah. Like, and I, they made me go like once a week yeah. and they took me out of class, yeah. which for that school, if you were taken out of class, you failed. Yeah. You know, like it was. You're probably feeling shame. Your peers are seeing you get taken out of class. Exactly. Right? You already feel awkward. Mm -hmm. I was yeah. like, this it was kind of condescending. He was condescending. It was hurting my grades being taken out of class. Like it was embarrassing to have to go down there. It yeah. was just a whole, whole thing. But, mm -hmm. um. 
also I was raised in a Mexican family. And so as far as like mental health and stuff, that's just not something that's like talked about. We don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. I think I've mentioned on the show before, like I went to rehab at least half a dozen times. My mother attended not one family program because, right, we don't talk about that stuff at home. Yeah. Why are we going to talk about it in public? Good point. Yeah. So was this around the time you started using substances? I mean, stronger than the the laxatives. Yeah. Yeah. Senior boy, pills. So you like older guys. I have always had an affinity for older gentlemen. Um, My first crush was actually Christoph Waltz. um, I have no idea who that is. From Inglorious Bastards. Oh, really? The older man who speaks multiple languages. Yeah, him. Really? He was my screensaver when I was in the sixth grade. (laughs) What was he in when you were in the sixth grade? Inglorious Bastards. Oh, my God. (laughs) I just feel so old now. I was sober already when that movie came out. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So you're dating the senior. He introduced you to the pills. What kind I, of- I didn't date him. Okay. Just to clarify. Okay. Sorry. Yes. So what, um, what kind of pills are we talking here? Uh, so the first thing I ever took was uh, hydrocodone tens. Right. And he gave me four of them at a mall in Dallas. That's a party. You took all four at the same time? Mm-hmm. Was that the best day of your life? Um, or did you get sick? Because I know those can be a little rough on the tummy. It was it was a really surreal type of experience. It um, I didn't get sick. I wasn't someone who threw up on drugs ever. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Question. Right. Sorry. Sorry. Mm-hmm. All the stores in the mall. Which one was the most pleasant <laughs> and which one was the most unpleasant while on drugs? Um, I did not like going into Spencer's. Spencer's? Oh, I mean, Spencer's is unpleasant. It was, yeah. Like, all the teenage kids wanted to go in there. I hated it. Well, wasn't your go-to when you were getting high Target? That's that's later down the line. Okay, okay, sorry. I didn't mean to skip ahead to Target. So what was a fun store to be on? I loved the bookstore. Yes. Because they would have, like, it was very quiet. Yeah. And it was calm. Yes. And they would have, like, little toys that you could just, like, sort of play with and... That was my favorite. Nice. So that was the feeling that you liked about being high was quiet, calm. Quiet. Put your head at at sort of a uh, like an even keel level. And... Yeah. I get overstimulated very easily. Mm-hmm. So if there's too much noise, too much talking, too much stress, like I just, I go into panic mode. How is this for you right now? <laughs> it's not bad because it's just you two. Yeah. So okay. if there were like more than two people, I would be panicking there's dozens of listeners uh that's they're imaginary okay <laughs> they're in my head so okay so you, you start experimenting with the pills you decide you like the pills yeah right. yeah i liked them i i mean like i honestly when i first took them i was like i don't understand what all the hype's about right um because i just felt kind of tired i felt kind of like dizzy mm-hmm. and i was like this isn't as great as he said it was so what was the first time that you experienced that? Oh, this is what they're talking about. Um, I don't even remember. Okay, so how did, the, how did the progression go? You know, you try it one time and then where do we go from there? Um, I tried it one time. I wasn't a huge fan. And then shortly after that, still being concerned about my weight and my self-image, I um, I started 
because of the depression and stuff, I was sleeping a lot more. I was falling behind in school. Um, and so my mom actually gave me one of her thyroid medications mm -hmm. um, to help me stay awake. So steroids, right, typically? Uh, stimulant. Okay. And it was a very, like, intense stimulant. It was mm. um, a little blue spotted pill. Oh, yeah. Forgot what it was. I, don't know, <laughs> I know exactly. They have like little certs with the blue speckles all over. Blue them. speckles oh, and those things were intense. Mm -hmm. And um, I would take one. Be and I was that was like one of the first times with drugs where I, I took one. I was up. I had so much energy. I felt like I could get all my work done. And in the high pressure school. In the high pressure school, like I felt like I didn't have to sleep all the time, and I was like, this is great. And what about the first time you ever took an Adderall? Oh, the first time I took an Adderall. Oh, is there a story here? Well, the first time I took an Adderall, uh, I, um, <laughs> I stayed up all night, and I wrote um, like a probably a 20-page thesis on why Adderall was a superior drug. <laughs> <laughs> And I had like I had citations in there. I had like the whole shebang. It was like a like a college essay on why Adderall was superior. And I was just like, this is great. That was that was pretty much your introduction into marketing too. Yeah. Did, yeah. <laughs> did you try to turn this thesis into anybody? No. Just, just for you. <laughs> just a little thesis for myself. It was just for myself. <laughs> just to reference later. In case I was like you know, down the line, I was like, oh, I shouldn't do this. I could reference that paper. <laughs> oh, man. That is like the opposite of we do. We do this thing at Recovery Unplugged title sponsor where when a client first comes in, we have them answer seven questions about why they're trying to get sober <laughs> so that if down the line they decide, hey, I want to leave treatment. I don't want to be sober. We're like, hey, look at what you said two weeks ago. This is why you want to be. You did the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're like, this is why I don't want these. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. So you, you're you using drugs for a couple of years. Things are manageable, right? Where where did it start to, to take a turn? Um, so, so I was using those pills, those blue, blue spotted pills for a long time um, until eventually we ran out. And so that after I ran out of those, I went back to because I like it was detoxing from those like little stimulants where mm -hmm. it was hard. Like I was I felt like my head was screaming and I was like, oh, I know where I can stop the screaming. I know where I can get something to stop that. Um, so I went back to that friend who gave me the hydrocodone and got more. In my head, his name is Chad. No, um, I don't know. If Chad... No, we don't want to say his name. Okay, we're gonna call him Chad. He was not Chad. He was uh... Lorenzo. <laughs> <laughs> he had a very weird name. Was... Yeah, but yeah. Um, and so yeah, I, I like my first real addiction besides the stimulants was hydrocodone. Um, after my freshman year, I I got a boyfriend who um lived with his grandparents. His grandfather had terminal brain cancer and was also Jehovah's Witness. And so he had, he got 
hydrocodone in the 90 counts and didn't use them because he didn't believe in them. Um, he would still fill the script. He would still fill it. He was just, I don't, I don't know. Okay. Um, probably because he kept seeing that they were disappearing and then being like, oh, I should probably get more. <laughs> um, <laughs> Somebody's using them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so after uh, I stayed with that, that boyfriend for a long time and he would just give me the whole script every time. So those run out, you start progressing, right? And then at what point was it starting to become a real problem? Um, it only took like a year for me to get like from like, oh, I'm just a normal little kid to like really bad. Um, it was my sophomore year of high school. Um <clears throat> where I first did heroin for the first time. Um, at that point, I was also mixing a lot of drugs. I was mixing hydrocodone and codeine and um, oxy and tramadol. And I was like- Just whatever. Making concoctions yeah. myself. And um, it was the beginning of my sophomore year where I first OD'd. Um, and I OD'd in the middle of my- uh, world geography class and it was very traumatic for everyone who watched me od <laughs> i'm sure i could imagine yeah and then did your parents start sending you to treatment at this point or yes yeah yeah after i was 15 um after that od i stayed in the hospital for about a week and then i immediately after they sent me to my first drug treatment it was an outpatient center for like troubled dude. troubled kids and like i did not feel like i fit in there at all because i was the only one who had a drug problem the rest of them were just like behavior issues lots of rubber band snapping in the yeah room. and i was like you guys are lame <laughs> <laughs> so let's <clears throat> let's fast forward a little bit because i mean we're here we all did a lot of drugs we yeah. all had a problem stopping there was one night with you and your mom that um that i know about where you where things kind of got really drastic if you want to talk about that one yeah so i think i know what you're referring to okay um yeah so did drugs for a long time things got really messy i od'd a bunch of times um I think three in total, not a bunch. Three times. Yeah, more than the right. average person. Yeah. Bef yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, three before like the age of 17. So it was like. That's, a, pretty, that's pretty significant. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I dropped out of high school. Um, I had to because I got, um, what's it called? 50. Whenever you got, you get detained and then have to go to a hospital. Oh, 5150? 5150'd. I got 5150'd in the middle of class. So, um. World geography again? No, I think it was an English class okay. this time. Mix it up a little. Yeah. No, it was actually my academic decathlon class. <laughs> he was a mathlete. I was. I was a mathlete. That's how I got my letterman. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. But, uh, so I had to drop out of high school. I was living with my mom's coworker, who was a teacher, a middle school teacher. Um, 
and this coworker was drugging me on a daily basis, um, Xanax. And so I would wake up, she would give me two. Um, after work, she would come back, give me another two to go to sleep. She would give me two. So I was just completely, oops. She's just like keeping you there, like sedated at home. Mm -hmm. So I stayed with her for about a month, <clears throat> maybe a couple of weeks, maybe not even a whole month. Um, and my mom was really concerned because she was a middle school teacher and they had just, um, cops had gotten called to her school mm -hmm. um, because it was said that she had tried to buy cocaine off of a middle schooler. And so my mom was super concerned about me, yeah. obviously. Um, and she uh, came to her apartment to pick me up. And we... She... I mean, she, had to, she had to coax you out of there. She did, it wasn't like you were just willingly going. She had to tell you that your dog was sick and that you had to take it to the vet. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I have a little chihuahua back with my mom, and he's the love of my life. And that's the only way that she could get me out of that apartment was mm -hmm. saying that he was really sick and I needed to come see him and take him to the vet. And I was in such a state of unawareness for the past few weeks, like taking six Xanax. Excuse me. Six Xanax a day. <clears throat> um, I just didn't know where I was. I didn't know who I was. Yeah. And uh, she coaxed me out and started questioning me and saying, like, are you on drugs? And I'd be like, no, I'm not on drugs. I'm not on drugs. It was more like, no. <laughs> yeah. It was, no. no. Mom, shut up. Why do you think I'm on drugs? <laughs> Sorry. And it was like this whole huge fight this blowout fight i got home my stepdad was there and he was pissed the fuck off like he was mad and he was like my mom was like if you're not on drugs i'm gonna drug test you right now and i was like i'm not taking a fucking drug test um and then my stepdad grabbed my bag from off my shoulder and started like emptying it out on the table and my needles were in there and he saw the needles and he flipped out not his normal demeanor this man does not flip out. <laughs> like, Yeah, he's very, he doesn't flip out. So he was screaming at me, um, saying, like, I've been such a bitch lately. Like, you know, like, calling me things. Like, um, he was throwing, like, he pushed this vase off of a table. <laughs> like, it was very bad fight. And, um... I was just like so out of it. I, um, after he called me all those things, my mom was saying she was going to drug test me. And I was like, I was like, you can't drug test me if I'm dead. And, um, I grabbed one of the kitchen knives and then I slit my wrist in front of them. And I was like, I was like, I'm dying and it's your fault. And, like yelling at them, like pouring out blood. Um, and they were like trying to cover up my, my wrists and luckily he's a doctor, so he probably Yeah, yeah, my stepdad's a doctor and so he was they were they were covering me up and I was kicking them. I like I was mm -hmm. fighting. Um called the ambulance. Question. Do you do you think like you genuinely had a desire to die at that point, or was it like a really misguided attempt to hurt them? 
I think it was more of like attempt an attempt to hurt them. Yeah. I don't think I I I was really fucking depressed. I was and I was also like at a very low point. Um I think it was more of an attempt to hurt them, but the at that time I think I genuinely did not care about my life. Yeah. Like I had, you know, I was fine with like dying wasn't the worst thing. That no, yeah, no. Um, so that was like super traumatic for them. <laughs> um, super traumatic for everyone. And uh, they called they called the ambulance. I had to be, uh, I had to get several stitches, and um, <laughs> I uh, I like in the in the hospital as they're stitching me up. I like I forgot what happened. I said they were too tight or something and I was like they were uncomfortable and so I ripped the stitches oh. out and called the doctor a C word. Oh. Um <laughs> That's the only word we don't say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they had to restitch me and then I got fifty one fifty again into another facility. So so let's you know, we're we're running a little short on time. We always do this. Yeah. <laughs> We might need to restructure how much time we book. Um, let's get you sober. <laughs> so when did you begin to actively pursue recovery? Um, so I was I was 15 when I went to my first treatment center, and then I was 18 when I went to my second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth treatment centers. Okay. Busy year. It was productive. <laughs> Some might say productive. Yeah. Um so yeah, I was 18. It was not by choice when I first went. Um I went to this place called Treehouse. I'm not I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Well, you center. already did. I went to several treatment centers in Texas. Um relapsed after all of them or got kicked out. I got kicked out of a lot of them. Um, and then that same year in 2017, the beginning of January of 2017, I went to recovery and plugged in Austin. And that was the first treatment center where I went to and I was like, oh, it's not that bad. Who was so, your counselor? Uh, I forgot her name. Uh, sh it was like Sharon or something. Older lady. And you liked it so much, you decided to go check out the Florida facility. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I met a boy there. As I, that was my mo. Um, and yeah, relapsed with him. Stayed in a hotel for a while in a Motel Six and did drugs with him. And then he went to the South Florida location, and then I followed him shortly after. And then you stayed sober. And then I stayed sober. Yeah. So what? So the first time you went to Unplugged was the first time that you were like, "Hey, maybe, like, I could do this thing." Yeah, yeah. I was like genuinely hopeful about that experience. Mm -hmm. um, I had never been like all of the other treatment centers that I went to. I had never been able to make connections, mm -hmm. and that's been like the story the story of my life right like I those 
the reason I struggled so much in high school is because I couldn't make connections. Right. Um, I couldn't, I didn't feel like there was any way for me to talk to people comfortably mm-hmm. and like be able to stay friends with them. And so like when I went to Recovery Unplugged, I met like a bunch of people who were like-minded like myself and who had been through similar experiences and who liked the same music that I did. And that was weird. And I think that's one of the like that, that same experiences thing. I think that's one of the things that that is so important to try to find some sort of recovery is when we have stories like what you've been talking about, right? Like, you know, depression, self-harm, substance abuse, trauma, you know, you walk around thinking like, I've got this life that nobody else, you know, all these normal people walking around do not understand what I've been through, what I've experienced. And then you get to the right treatment center and you're like, oh my God, there's like 30 people here that all right have these experiences and don't think I'm weird. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's huge. It is. Finding your your pack, you know? And even and you know what I think is even more enjoyable about that? Finding people who you wouldn't think would be your pack, yeah. but then they become your yeah. pack. Like somebody who sitting next to, I'd be like, this and this happens so much with me with like all of my best friends. The first time I meet most of my best friends, I really do not like them. That's me with every one of my friends. Yeah. Or just well, like everyone you dislike in general. me when you first met me? I mean, I'm assuming you You're don't You're someone I anymore. actually didn't dislike. Oh. Yeah, I was there. She was like, I like him. Oh. So I yeah. can vouch for that. Okay. But I think one thing, and I know we're running short on time, but I think it's really important, especially for a lot of people out there who might have a similar issue, is you had an extremely serious trauma in your early recovery and stayed clean through it. If you want to give us a Reader's Digest version of what happened and, you know, how you maintained your recovery through that. Yeah, it's actually, uh, it's the anniversary of that happening. Oh, It happened shit. on your birthday? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I just got chills. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was an... I was in early recovery. I had about four months clean at the time. Um, I was working at this little coffee shop making $2 an hour. It was not legal. Um, and uh, it was Jason's birthday. So I planned this whole little shindig for him. I like told him to stop by after work. And I had put up balloons. And it was like very 16 candles type. You know, like I had like a bunch of tasty cakes that I put, you know. It's <laughs> uh, very sweet. Uh, candles in and it was very cute. Made me an actual mixtape. I made him an actual mixtape. Um, so that happened. It was great. Um, Jason left and I was going to get an Uber. I couldn't get an Uber so I had to walk back to halfway. Um, and then on my walk back to halfway I was tackled and raped um, by someone that I had never seen or met before. Um so yeah, that was uh, pretty traumatic. Yeah, and we'll just fast forward that it took quite a few years. He he was caught almost instantaneously. The guy's girlfriend, I believe, was the one who who turned him in mm-hmm. because there was video surveillance of him like passing her, turning around, and um, they caught him pretty quick. The court process went through a l- years of court process. We just wrapped it up. What was it? May. In May. And we had to go back to Florida 
sit in court with this guy and, you know, I'm seeing her having to relive this and, mm -hmm. you know, seeing how strong she's been through this was just, you know, I'm reminded what an incredible person she is because I, I can't imagine having gone through anything like that. So I'm proud of you. Birthday boy. It made me cry. <laughs> but yeah, it was just, it's like super traumatic. Well, first of all, like yeah. that happening to anyone um, is incredibly traumatic. And then we could go on a whole nother episode about this topic. But yeah. once I was, um, once they had, I called the police. They didn't show up. Mm -hmm. We called again. They didn't show up. I was like, he took my clothes. He took everything from me. I was left in the rain. Mm. Um, stole my wallet. Stole my pants. Like I was, it was the most. It was most degrading yeah. experience in my life. Um, but once I once the cops actually showed up after an hour, um, I was so in shock from what just happened. I was just disassociating you know it's like three in the morning by the time they had gotten there and uh they they asked me the first thing they asked me was not are you okay do you need an ambulance mm -hmm. they asked me do you want to press charges mm -hmm. and i said i don't know i don't i don't know what to do um i was also only 18 at the yeah. time like i don't fucking know um and they said, is the reason you don't want to press charges because you know we're going to drug test you. Wow. And I was like, what are you, I, like, you're at a halfway that I'm living in right now. Like, you're here with my house manager. Big shout out to Rachel Utano, who showed up to court with every recorded ua that she took <laughs> like through that because they you know they take urine samples yeah. regularly when you're living in sober living brought them to the courts just to shove it in the cops faces for being such dicks but yeah but anyway justice system that sucks <laughs> um <laughs> but you managed we to... could do a whole episode about the justice system. It's, yeah we yeah should. it was incredible yeah but you, you stayed through it. You're thriving. You're killing it right now. You you worked for Recovery Unplugged for quite some time. You've moved on. You're working in the tech world now. And you're just a, a, uh, a boss girl. Is that what you're called? Um, yes, you're allowed to say boss girl. That's what I said. Yeah. I can call myself a boss bitch if I want to. There we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right, well. I never say this. You say this all the time, but we're going to have to have you back. There's more conversations to have here. So many more. So many more. And and I hate to cut it short, but we do have to cut it short. Rapid fire question time. It's rapid fire question time. Oh, I get to start yeah, this yeah, one? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, we'll start off real easy with a classic. Right. You have been asked by Ben & Jerry to create your own Ben & Jerry's flavor. What is it, and what is it called? Mm, ben & Jerry. So my favorite ice cream, I'm a plain vanilla kind of gal. So it'd probably be like a cherry vanilla with some sort of pecan in it, similar to the, to the Brahms ice cream, mm -hmm. but like 
leveled up. <laughs> um, I would call it. I don't know. What's it? Cherry bomb. Cherry. Oh, that's okay. a good one. I like that. Cherry bomb. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Um, so you like things on the kind of, let's say, more dark and depressing side. Oh, yeah. I'm a, de- I'm a depressed girly. What is your most favorite depressing song to just vibe out to? Um, that changes every single day. But Today, what is it? Uh, today, it would probably be, it's, it's a Funeral Singers by Caliphone. Um, Beautiful. Very good. Elliot Smith is an all-time favorite. Um, yeah. All right. What's something you're proud of? Um, shit. Oh, stumped her. I don't know what I'm proud of, Joseph. <laughs> no, I'm proud of Bando. I like him. <laughs> Bando is their small chihuahua that wears a diaper <laughs> and, and has an earlobe fetish. Yeah. She's very proud of the, the diapy dog. Yeah. Well, he was, I felt a lot of similarities to him because he's very shy and timid and he's really come out of his shell. So I'm proud of him. Okay. So. We were talking earlier back at the house about French fries. Yes. Gabby's, one of Gabby's favorite all-time food is French fries. What is the best way to enjoy a French fry? Uh, Curly. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we got one more question. One more. One more question. I don't know. Oh, um, okay. All right. We are are transporting humanity to Mars because we've destroyed the planet, and you... Are about to make the trip, and you get to pick one person, living or dead, to make that trip with you. Who do you take? David Bowie. Excellent. No pressure. None taken. <laughs> oh, of course, Jason. Jason. Oh, he might. He's getting up there in years. He might not survive the trip. But imagine David Bowie singing "Life on Mars" as you're going to Mars. I could sing "Life on Mars" too, you know. Anyway. <laughs> I think I'd just get annoyed eventually of David Bowie. You know? <laughs> I'd probably smoke I, I, cigarettes. <laughs> All right, Gabby. Um, before we before we sign off, we're going to give you one opportunity to kind of say whatever you'd like to our dozens of listeners. Uh, it can be profound. It can be deep. It can be advice. It can be silly. Whatever. Um, I guess my only advice would be. Don't wear a band T-shirt unless you know at least three songs from the band. Excellent. That is deep. Nirvana is not a brand of T-shirt. It is not. No. Don't make a band into a brand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) All right. That was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Well, all right, listeners. Thank you for joining us this week and every week. And uh, as we like to say around here, there's a thousand ways Ways in. in. And in a thousand ways out. And, and we, we hope, hope you find, find yours. yours. Yay.